Hello, welcome to Culture Fear. 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 We got the 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 fear. That song does my head in, but let's put that to one side, shall we? Hey, welcome to episode nine of Culture Fear. I'm Sean. Welcome back. If this is if you're coming back, if this is your first time, thank you so much for listening. Um, this was recorded in Sam's kitchen by me. The first time I'd recorded a conversation. Um, yeah, so shout out Sam's kitchen. Talking about Sam's kitchen, if you listen to my episode with John Bear, I talked in the intro about um, the food. Um, company I guess that he um, ran with um, Fran and Sam who is in this um, episode. Talked about that finishing and what they had next coming up, how excited I was, how I feel like they've learnt, they'd learnt so much but also and like the next thing was going to be special that they all did and how amazing they are at cooking vegan food. Um, Sam is now doing that and she has a she's got her own place her and her um, her part her business partner partner sister Satan if you look it up um, they've got their own um, cafe in Folkestone in Kent um, it's going to be amazing um, it would already been open I'd have already I'd imagine eaten there by the time this came comes out but yeah um, that is really really cool I love that it's all going so well um, for her since she moved down there um, yeah amazing um, it's so nice to um, it was great to have Sam on the podcast um, if you've listened to a few of these no doubt you would have heard about Sam and the impact that her band and her as a person has had on other people because they talked about it in this podcast in my conversations with them um, at least half probably more so it was amazing to have her on and again, I'm one of those people where her music and her as a person has had a profound impact on me. Yeah, she is one of my best friends. She's someone that I turn to in my happiest moments, um, but I've definitely turned to in uh, some of my darkest moments. Um, she's incredible. She is just, yeah. So it was great to sit down and talk to her about her life certain aspects of it certain parts of it so hopefully you'll enjoy it check out her bands if you haven't before um i guess yeah battle of wolf lich and now savage realm um i guess they get heavier or at least more metal as they go on and if you really want to go in uh, a little bit deeper um check out a band oh, well it's not really a band we had four practices maybe um, that I did with Sam we recorded we played two shows recorded five songs uh, we're called Palisade I guess the Bandcamp is bandcamp.com or palisadepunk.bandcamp.com but yeah um, before I head off two things if you enjoy this please tell your friends please subscribe we're at Culture Fear everywhere get in touch uh, that would be incredible two books I've been reading that I'd really recommend just finished Asata Shakur's 
biography, incredible, incredible human being. The strength of her just blows me away. Um, and I imagine it would be the same for anyone that reads that. I'd really recommend that. And the other one is Eat Up by Ruby Tando. Um, really, really great way to think about food in a different way and how great food is. It was, it's been really great for me. I guess I'm someone that struggles with um, working out what my relationship with food is. That's helped uh, somewhat. Uh, gets uh, dismisses loads of myths that you, you know, that you uh, grew up. You know, MSG is not really that bad for you. It's also in lots of Italian foods, and the fact that people say that it's crap is probably just a bit racist. Yeah, loads of other amazing things that are in that. Not that I'm saying that racism is amazing. What I'm saying is it's an amazing book with loads of amazing parts and things and myth dispellers. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. I've rambled enough. Um, be kind to yourself. Look after your loved ones and everyone else. Take care. Catch you next month. Bye. How are you doing, Sam? I'm good. How are you doing, Sean? Good, thank you. What, um, what have you been up to? Well, we went for a nice walk today in uh, Folkestone. But yeah, not too much. Just hanging out in Folkestone at the beach with my baby. <laughs> cool. How old's your baby? He is 15 months old. Sweet. And um, how long have you been in Folkestone? For about six months. How's that? Yeah, it's good. We, um, yeah, just couldn't afford to live in London anymore. <laughs> Ran out of Central Line to move to the end of and yeah, much happier down here. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, so how... Um, how yeah? How is Folkestone with like? Because you've started um, a food making car. Like, what would you yeah? You describe it. Um. Well, in the past we've used the term like catering business, but yeah, we do lots of pop ups and wholesale supply and all that kind of thing. I guess we're still finding our feet at the moment, so it's hard to define exactly what we do. But yeah, and that's Sister Satan. Yeah. Cool. Um. And yeah, okay. So we'll, we'll come back to what we're up to at the moment, and um, we'll start at the beginning. So you're um, you grew up in Kent, right? Yeah, in Ashford. So about twenty minutes away from where I live at the moment. Cool, cool. Um, and um, with uh, your two like mum and dad, mm-hmm. brother, brother, yep. And that was it, more or less. We've got grandparents here, but all the rest of my family are up in Merseyside in the rural. Okay, cool. Did you go up there like a lot growing up? Yeah, 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 quite often. Cool. Was that your summer holidays up there? No, we just um you would just go up for little weekends. Cool. Um so how was how was Kent to grow up with? How was like growing up? Stuff like that? Um I guess it's probably a lot of the same like issues as people anyone growing up in a small town of just there being not lots to do when you're growing up and as a teenager and lots of weird people around and yeah I had a good yeah it was good but yeah, yeah just was what it was yeah, just was same as everyone was. else yeah. around where you're from yeah pretty. was it like were you in Ashford town or was it a bit further out kind of thing? no up until Maybe when I was like 14, 15, my parents moved out more to the countryside. But yeah, up until then, it was like right in the town centre that I lived. Yeah, sweet. Um, So growing up, um, yeah, so with your parents, 
So, so when you were like a teenager and like stuff like that, what was your? Because I guess you're quite sporty, right? Yeah, I played lots of netball and badminton. Did lots of swimming. Yeah, skateboarding, all sorts. Yeah, um, am I right in thinking like you swam to a certain like level, like a more than just a swimming? Yeah, yeah, I did like county swimming, but then I just got to a certain age as a teenager and didn't want to get up at that time in the morning to practice, and yeah, got kind of more interested in music and going out and things like that than being really serious about swimming. Yeah, and what age was the skateboarding? Probably around fourteen. Yeah. How, how come you, you, was that, did the swimming tail off and then the skateboarding come in? Um, I suppose around, yeah, like just in that I was starting to get into different things and I got into the skateboarding through that. So it coincided with, yeah. yeah. So what did you start getting into then in them like early teenage years? In terms of like music or like. Was that like, yeah, was it was, yeah, like more than just. You know, when you start getting into something and it's like yours, I guess. Yeah, I think it yeah, probably would have been uh, music. I was always really into reading books. Like when I was a child, when during the summer, I'd, you know, I had lots of friends, but also could happily just sit inside all day and read like a couple of books. So I suppose like books and then that turned into music. And then in a way through music, I found about found out about a lot more different kind of literature like non-fiction and things like that through bands that I was listening to at the time yeah yeah and um were your parents into music and your brother no not at all okay like even now I think maybe my parents listen to Sam Smith nowadays (laughs) but that's probably the extent of it and we had there was maybe like five ten cds or cassettes lying around the house like simply read kind of thing yeah but yeah they've never really been interested in music yeah um i think the only they had a meatloaf tape okay that i quite liked <laughs> yeah when i was around the age of 10 i think i spent like a summer listening to that and then maybe when i was about 12 my dad for some reason had a black sabbath compilation cd and yeah that was one of the first things that like, I really got into and I still love them now so yeah I guess weirdly I have my dad to thank for <laughs> yeah. like my metal like origins but so where did you go from like hearing this Black Sabbath record and then like did you find the kids at school that had heard of them or like how did you go from there not really um I suppose I listened to that at home but then detoured away from it a little bit and just got into guitar music like Britpop that was obviously like peaking when I was at school um like the Manic Street Preachers were the band for me okay like their first CD that I bought and it like kind of like took my breath away and then yeah Oasis I loved and yeah yeah so um like obviously you said at about 14 was when you started getting so like when did you get into music a little bit before that or how and how did that evolve so uh I guess my first musical memory that wasn't the like Kylie Minogue Jason Donovan tapes when I was really little was my uh I had this woman neighbor looked after 
me and my brother after school before my mum got home from work. And her son was in the year above me. And I remember being about nine or ten, yeah, probably about nine. And he, uh, yeah, he took me into the shed. <laughs> the shed <laughs> and, uh, and he had a, like, a tape Walkman and he played me Guns N' Roses. Okay. And just like, yeah, when you're like 10 years old living on a housing estate in Ashford in Kent, like hearing Guns N' Roses was just... Yeah, like I hadn't heard anything like it before. It was obviously like just I didn't get it. It just sounded like crazy to me, <laughs> just like wailing guitars and very abrasive. But I think from that point on, I realised that music could just be something a little bit more. So I think probably from that point until I started buying my own CDs, I was just... Like waiting searching for it yeah, a little bit yeah. waiting for it to come to you yep yep and then did it come to you or did you have to start searching for it um i yeah i i mean it was hard because i would read like enemy or melody maker when i was at secondary school and have lists like i just had in the back of my school books would have lists of bands that i wanted to listen to but obviously there was no internet like i think i could go to our price and listen to the singles of the week on their headphones in store but there wasn't really a way to listen to bands that i wanted to hear so i had to be quite patient and methodical and i'd save up my pocket money and i'd buy a cd or a cd single i mean you buying it like blind wasn't sure what yeah just yeah what yeah you've read absolutely yep 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 and so and then even later on like jumping ahead and when i started getting into records and hardcore that again you'd just buy blind you wouldn't be able to check whether you liked it or not so yeah had a lot of crap but it made finding the gems even better but at the start do you think that um your quality control is a bit lower so the stuff that you might think is crap you like you'd oh. sit with because that was the record that you'd spent the last two three weeks yeah and on. also i was impressionable so yeah if like a band like manson were on the front of the melody maker then i'd you know, go like, this is great. Yeah. And obviously a lot of that Britpot stuff was just terrible. bit landfill, yeah. looking back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess um, those early years of being into music probably lasted more than just a few years, but for me anyway, it's just everything was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Even if looking back on it, it's not it wasn't very good it would you'd read the linear notes and oh get into God, the yeah. next band or you know like yeah <laughs> look so. at the t-shirt that they're wearing exactly yeah 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 um yeah because i think that i i like the fact that i i i try not to have a short memory like if i liked a band i won't say i'll never like them mm-hmm. and there's not many bands that i go back to and i think how did i listen to this you know, I'm like, oh, okay, this is why I listened to it at the time. Yeah. Um, but it's always interesting going back and being like, God, yeah, I liked everything. Or like when you're pulling out your old seven inches or like CD, CD demos more so and you think, oh, God, who was this band? Oh, yeah, this band. Yeah, everything has a story. And I'm sure, I, you know, just going into town on a Saturday with my friends and going to our price and like Woolworths and places to buy music from it was like an adventure and 
yeah. And were your friends at the time into music as well, or did you bond over other stuff? Um, well, I had quite a wide circle of friends, like, at secondary school, so, you know, I was, like, kind of into the sports, but then also... You know, I looked like a grievo, so I kind <laughs> of, yeah, I had, so I had friend, different friends who were into different bands and, you know, I had a friend who at lunch we'd talk about, like, football and Oasis and then I had another friend who we'd talk about, I don't know, like, All Saints or, yeah. yeah. yeah and I guess yeah. the books as well, if there was, um, like, yeah, what kind of books? Because I know, obviously... Yeah, fantasy came in a bit. Was that at the time? Or no, was that no, that on? was like a lot later on. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I, yeah, I would just read everything that I could get my hands on. Yeah. Go to the library. Lots of like young adult fiction before then, and then as I mentioned, like the Manic Street Preachers. I just used to like eat up their notes in their CDs, and they were like a very um. They were like big into quotes and like yeah. references. Super left wing, right? Yeah, were they yeah. Communists or just yeah, socialists? Yeah, yeah. I think like well, I guess that they were coming from a socialist background, but promoting lots of like kind of radical communist, yeah, like radical, like anarchist yeah. um, philosophers and authors. And so from that, I just would go to the library and I get books out and I would read them, and they would be way over my head. Okay. Um, but I suppose like some <laughs> some things I took in and yeah, I've obviously yeah. revisited things later. So that I suppose that they really I can't um, can't uh, overstate how much they would have shaped my like political yeah like philosophies from a young age. Like I was uh, I yeah at one point I'd took like um, Karl Marx books into school when I was I don't know maybe fourteen and would pretend that I understood what I was reading <laughs> in the cloakroom like before school started and yeah. Yeah, oh, amazing. And was that, um, did you have friends that shared that kind of stuff or was that a bit, that was your thing? Yeah, I suppose that was my thing. I was, yeah, have always been the kind of the, the weirder, more (laughs) (laughs) pretentious person out of my friendship groups. Okay. And then, um, so when did you start getting into, and how did you start getting into the more, yeah, like the more niche or like subculture or the punk and hardcore? Did that come from the metal Black Sabbath thing or did it come from? Yeah, I suppose so. Um, and just the guitar bands just seemed like the indie bands just seemed, I don't know, got a bit wishy-washy. Um, yeah, and I was just looking through something for something a little bit more. Around that time, I got into skateboarding through a friend of mine who grew up on my estate with me, um, and he was like a big gateway into like skate punk and like hardcore and like metal, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. So, was there local stuff as well at the time? Or um, yeah, yeah, there was a pub in um, Ashford called the Vic. And it was a bit of a biker pub, but they would have cover bands playing and then they had like local alternative bands and there was an outdoor festival every summer that had alternative bands. So some of the older kids I know who were in bands already, you'd go and watch them play. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what was your first like concert or gig music experience? Um, actually, it was in Folkestone. So the very first gig I went to 
um, was Idleworld and okay. Ash. Wow. Yeah. So uh, actually, like looking back on it, the Idleworld opened the show and they are quite, for an indie band, they're quite aggressive and okay. like a lot of yeah. like high energy. And so that was, you know, I could have seen a lot of worse bands for my first yeah. first one. Yeah. So I was probably about 14. Then like my friend's dad drove us there and waited for us afterwards. Nice. And yeah. yeah. That's great. Um, and then, yeah, with the skateboarding, was there a group of you that were into music and skateboarding at the time? Or I suppose, um, yeah, it was a bit... Because it's a small town, you kind of had your group of alternative kids and some of them played in bands, some of them skateboarded, some of them just hung out smoking like Benson and Hedges outside of McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like it's the same kind of small town thing. Yeah. I think a lot of so when did you start going to like punk shows and stuff or where um, it was at the time I went so my friend um used he got a car and I was yeah he, he was like a year or two older and I remember going with a group of friends to the forum in Tunbridge Wells yeah um and there's seen a lot of bands over there over the year and the, um, I forget who like we went to see, but this band were this forgotten band, they were um opening for Napalm Death. Oh, okay. And the forum is it used to be a public toilet and it's been renovated into a venue. It's like really small. And so I was fourteen in an our ex public toilet in Tunbridge Wells, which is like quite a posh place, and I saw Napalm Death and it was <laughs> just like going back to the Guns N' Roses thing, I was just like, what the fuck? Like, I don't understand this. It's like inconceivable. But <laughs> I think like this is kind of, yeah, like That's this is something like special going yeah. on here. That's what you wanted. Yeah. And it took me a long time to go to a gig as good as that again. So yeah. Lots of crap indie bands and lots of local cover bands and things like that. Did you try, did you try and um, investigate where like what napalm where, whether other bands were doing what napalm death were doing no not really because i just didn't have the resources to do it so i saw this band and i was like kind of intrigued by them even though i didn't really understand it and like a bit scared by it and then i would just have to go back to you know by that point i probably started reading kerrang like yeah trying it like just gleaming bits of information and compiling lists but not having can't just switch on a computer and find out yeah. like bands artists similar to napalm death uh, so just had to like bide my time with it a bit yeah and then um yeah, so did you did you find like when when was it that you started being part of a scene, I guess, or when you first went to a show that looking back that was something that people were doing like locally as a scene? Like mm. I went to um with my friend, I went to a couple of gigs in Margate, um which was yeah, quite like an hour or so away for, even though it was Kent, it was like a bit of a bit of an adventure going to Margate and went to a few gigs at the Lido um, and saw it being done in a different way, even though like going to the forum and there was a you know a couple of places in Maidstone and Canterbury that I'd 
had punk gigs at. Just, yeah, that was my first view of something being like super DIY. And okay, yeah. the people on the door looking like just slightly older versions of me. And yeah, so I think that was probably around like 14, 15. That was yeah, there. yeah. So what, what, um, what year would this have been and what bands were, do you remember from the time? Um, so it was, I guess, 99. Yeah. Nine, 98, maybe. Um, and the, I went to a really weird gig in a pub um, where people, like, think someone in a band ended up getting beat up by the owner of the pub. And just, like, Margate's a super weird place. So stuff, weird stuff happens at the shows, I'm sure, nowadays. And I saw the American band UNRWA. Okay. Um, they're just like this like super heavy like yeah like metallic hardcore band um, and I still love them to this day and they've a massive musical influence on everything I've, I've oh, done wow. and yeah it's really fortuitous that I just happened to go to this weird gig yeah. on this night and see this band play and they yeah well, um, were you um when you like first started going to these shows, were you the only, were you one of the only girls, or was there like a few of you in like the group of friends? How was that? Um, I was mostly the people I grew up with on in my like immediate area were mostly guys, and I had all my like I went to an all girls school, so all of my okay. school friends were girls. But like, I wasn't going to gigs with them. I wasn't going skating with them. Like yeah. I'd hang out with them and then go skating afterwards. So yeah, it was fairly male dominated. Um, I suppose just because it was a bit of a rock scene, uh, there were lots of other women around they, cool. uh, yeah. or other girls around. And I think the, maybe the more I got into hardcore, the more the gender balance dropped down at a later point, but probably then there was lots of, yeah, lots of women around. Yeah. And then would you, would you start going to Margate regularly? Um, well then went a couple of times and then eventually like when I left school, um, I moved to Margate Okay. and I moved in with people from this old like emo band called the babies three Okay. and lived in a punk house, which was quite an experience at like such an early age I just you know at that point wasn't getting on with my parents and just went and did my own thing um and yeah so that was the that was the real start of everything okay yeah so yeah tell, tell me tell me more so the p they played in a band these guys i lived with um one of them ran a distro so there was always boxes of like deep elm emo cds around okay. and i just when i had an afternoon of college i just like get this guy's distro out and listen to all these cds and i think that was maybe one of the most exciting things having people around me that i could go and listen to their music and hear new bands like yeah i guess away. that's the first time not the first well but the first time you're telling me where you're like this record's great what would you recommend yeah and then straight away they're like we'll try this out yeah 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 you've got that back and forth exactly i mean i had that to some extent before i could be like go around to my friend's house or borrow like yeah. when the the new Nine Inch Nails record came out and I was a teenager and I'd borrow it from my friend and like make a tape copy of it. But yeah, that was the first like exploration like I got to have into. Like, yeah. yeah. And was it, um, was it easy to move out and stay in another house when you were at college as well? Was you working at the same time? Um, it was Margate back then. 
um, Cliftonville specifically where I lived was a very deprived, um, run-down area. And so, our, like, the rent was just ridiculously cheap, like, yeah. you know, paying next to nothing. So, yeah, just kind of... I think at one point I sold double glazing over the telephone to <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of, yeah, like, buy bottles of Lambrini and buy CDs with. But, yeah, like, just got used to not having very much money and it just yeah. all being about the the fun yeah so that was yeah so it was a it was easily facilitated if you'd cut back on certain mm-hmm. things but i guess um yeah when you had your priorities at the time which were attainable yeah yeah so ha- so was there an emphasis on college or was it just going was you going further out for shows or um so that we it would just got to be in a little bubble for a while really the so many good bands came and played in Margate, it used to be really like a... That was one of the spots, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, one of like the hot spots in the country. And, you know, bands from overseas, like lots of German bands, lots of American bands came. And, yeah, like it kind of got... I, you know, lived five minutes away from the Lido, the venue. So really everything came to us. So we'd go to London occasionally for like a bigger yeah. gig at the garage or whatever. But, yeah. Have you got any... Um favorite memories of bands coming through either making friends with or like watching that were formative um the catharsis okay like the uh crime think kind of crusty like another like metallic hardcore band yeah yeah artemis pile again like similar kind of vein they were both really just helped me just yeah like opened up to how heavy and crushing music can be in a way that completely wasn't new metal and like just very like highly produced and clean vocals and all of that kind of stuff that was going on like in the mainstream like alternative scene and just having these people come in and just being like yeah just absolutely killing it and then being really nice afterwards and really approachable and being able to have conversations with people yeah from the other side of the world and yeah and most of the people who i lived with and who were like around were really into like the emo and indie kind of thing so like uh apple sea cast yeah. mile marker lots of bands like that that really yeah, we're brilliant live. Yeah, so um, was it was there less of a emphasis on like if you were the metalcore band coming through, you wouldn't just play with metalcore bands. Would you have like the people you were living with would play like mixed bills? I oh guess. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like kind of weird, like really weirdly mixed bills. Like the first gig that I mentioned, the Unra gig. I think they played with Apple Sea Cast the first time they oh, came wow. over. So you have about as heavy and dirty as it can get, along with like yeah just like twinkly really like nice emo yeah Yeah. i guess a lot of those emo bands had people in the bands that were in like hardcore bands as well i guess Mm -hmm. at the time um yeah i feel like um from when i've been going to shows if there's if there's different bands on a bill it's typically like it's a mixed bill Mm -hmm. but then when i speak to people from different places i guess london's so big it can just it can just live on its own. Like we're just going to put on these kind of bands. Mm-hmm. But um, 
yeah, there when, was no such thing as a mixed bill because it was just, oh, well, if you're of that mindset, if that's what you're doing, if you're part of this subculture, yeah, then you, you'll just play the show. Yeah, yeah. That's it. You have so many things in common with people that it doesn't like matter what, you know, what you're tuned to like yeah. it's yeah and even when I, when I was doing gigs a lot later on like I've always really enjoyed and like made a conscious effort to try and do mixed bills even if yeah it can go up and down sometimes not everyone's yeah. into it yeah it's interesting so were you playing music at this point no like not at all like there was not that many women in the bands and um yeah there was although there were lots of women around they were all like I don't know get almost getting sidelined by the guys you know they weren't the ones looking through the distro they weren't the ones um talking about the band so much and I think that came from you know their friends their boyfriends or whatever I think that there was a kind of a just an inherent like yeah. the women aren't they're here to hang out they're not here for the music as such yeah so had it not been a thought process really at that point to yeah. be in a band it was like hadn't seen it to be like shit I can do it or yeah I suppose I was so young and felt like I was blagging my way into hanging out with these like adults you know I was just 16 like I was hanging out with adults all the time and they were from other countries and I just felt like it was exciting enough that I was part of this scene. I didn't like, yeah, yeah. There. Like didn't dare to like aspire to actually being in the bands until, you know, a couple of years later. So, so can you remember a point when you were like, or like anyone that any bands or people that like in, made you feel like, yeah, actually. This um, is what I mean, I saw like, band, like female fronted bands and, um thought like that's really cool that would be something that would be really cool to do like yeah of, i think i remember thinking that maybe for the first time when i was watching walls of jericho okay um, yeah yeah because obviously that that kind of scene was also going on in kent at the same time like it's like a big you know metalcore kind of yeah. more of like the bro scene yeah um so yeah i saw <laughs> them but it wasn't until really Fast forward of two or three years, um, I ended up moving to America for like yeah. a while. And there was a cup, there was hearing a couple of bands there and watching um, this band called Welcome the Plague Year, okay. who kind of knew, um, and they were like a band from Philly. And the they had two vocalists, like male, female vocalist, which yeah. might have like also inspired something else um and they were just i think this particular scene in america was just uh, you know going to watch bands play to their friends in basements it was very different to even what i'd had in margate and canterbury because bands were coming on tour there and you had local bands but you know in the metal core they were like there's a lot of posturing and kind of like it's all about how you present yourself and like machoism and that and I never really felt musically I'm like I love a beat down yeah. but didn't ever feel part of it um, and then so yeah then being 
in the basement watching friends with friends and it was just like I could do this like if I can do that with my voice then I don't have to be a show person I can okay, just stand yeah. there you know play music with my friends and yeah I don't need to be this big like confident front woman in a band yeah and I think Welcome the Plague you are really like yeah they really will them and um another band to dream of autumn okay like female fronted um quite like earnest but just absolutely slaying music yeah yeah i've never thought about it until you just said it but yeah like i guess your front person pers- i don't know what you call it but how you are as a front person you know it's not that um you for today running around kind mm-hmm. of thing it's mm-hmm. um yeah it's is it's a well, I, I guess I've always seen you. I guess it's not changed too much, um, and that's like how you do it. Yeah. And I guess like I'd never put two and two together with. Obviously, there's so many reasons why people, um, and I'd imagine like especially like the more you go out like in different ways, it's so, like women as well. Um, like more reasons why. Like it's, it's yeah, it's very male, isn't it? Yeah. That stereotype of like a metalcore or like a hardcore vocalist, um, yeah, that stereotype is that's what it is, really. Yeah, and like, don't get me wrong, like I think it's like fucking sick when, especially women, like yeah. go for it live. Um, and yeah, like like all power to those women, but that's just not me. Like I'm not, I'm not like confident in that way. I guess. Um, but yeah, have confidence in doing it my way. Yeah. Yeah. But people like always up until now, like people after the show will come up to me or like say stuff on the internet and yeah, like, I guess, criticize me for not being like a good front person or like, especially if it gets to a point in a song where you might turn your back on the audience and yeah, people aren't down with that, but you know. I don't care. <laughs> <at> <laughs> <all>. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, fuck them. For thinking that their opinion matters to yeah. how you've just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> done exactly. your set. If you're listening, like, I absolutely do not give a shit. Yeah. Um, so tell me about getting to the point of, of moving to America. Yep. So you're 16, 17 in, in Margate in the house. And yeah. then what, when do you go to America? So then after a couple of years in Margate and Canterbury... Um, living there I split up with my arsehole ex-boyfriend who was my gateway into the Margate scene um during this point also like the Margate at that time had a lot of positives but also like just everybody being off their face all the time on drugs and it was quite a toxic environment so I kind of from one day to the next cleaned up my act and I went vegan and I went straight edge for quite a while and kind of moved away from the Margate scene a little not you know it's not fair to to those people in Margate to 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 put that all on them but just was around like a lot of toxic yeah you got to a point where that wasn't what you wanted to do yeah so just moved away from that and eventually um moved back 
to Asheville and just was thinking what I wanted to do, kind of contemplated some like study ideas in America and just went to, just didn't really have any other ideas about what yeah. I wanted to Ashford do. being back home. Yeah, back home, um, which was like a bit of a, I guess a bit of a shock to the system after like two and a half years of punk living to be back at my parents' house in the countryside by this point. And did they welcome you back with open arms? Say, Sam, we've taken you back from that devil living you've been doing for two uh, years. <laughs> You're safe now. Not quite. They let me back home, but <laughs> yeah, it was a while before like my family had that. We had that kind of level of like peace and acceptance with each other. Um, yeah. So just knew I didn't want to be in Ashford didn't feel like I wanted to commit to university like because I had no idea what I wanted to do with my future like when I grew up um and so yeah just pretty much found somewhere to stay in Philadelphia by this point like my family got AOL like we were finally on the internet yeah um and so you start chatting with people and yeah just booked like a three-month plane flight to philadelphia and just went there and like just went to shows by myself in philly and met people and traveled out of town out of state to go to gigs and yeah and then uh nice formative was it yeah super formative and then ended up moving back there for a while um and getting married Okay. To my ex-husband and living with him and his friends and family. In just Philly like, still? I uh, like Reading, so like 40 minutes outside of Philly. Yeah. So like a suburb of Philly, you still go into those shows in Philly or did um, Reading have its own thing? Went to shows in Philly, but actually there was um, this guy called Alex had a place called The Basement, which was his parents garage okay (laughs) um and they let him do shows and i saw a lot of really amazing bands in this like leafy suburban garage yeah Um, yeah and it was it was great it was like the best of times and were those people around like um your uh soon-to-be husband like Derek was he playing in bands and like were all your friends around you in Reading yeah so they he had been he had been playing in bands with his school friends um and I would, just because I, you know, didn't have much else to do, I'd go along to practice with him. Um, and I'd sit there and watch them write songs and kind of like give some input into things and like that. And so that was a really good, um, yeah, like kind of having a glimpse into actually being in a band. Yeah. And yeah. Like how it worked and everything like that. Yeah. At that point, didn't feel that I was ready to realise things. That was kind of more towards the tail end of that period. But yeah, yeah. I remember we went to my friend um, Russell's, his like garage, um, which was really in the middle of nowhere. And we'd like the three of us would kind of, we'd like smoke weed and play like doom music. And I'd try and play this like synthesizer, like bass lines <laughs> on a synth and yeah. It was fun. And that was the first time I... That was probably the closest I've ever come to playing an instrument in a band. Okay. Do you feel like you had to be... You had to trick yourself into doing a band then? You had to slowly... Like, you could you could 
played like do music the three of you like just having fun but like it wasn't a band and it had to you had to get there or yeah it was just something that we were doing for fun because you know there wasn't that much else to yeah. do we'd just you know drive around go to diners then go to a gig every couple of weeks and yeah 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 and it was i suppose just um if you watch something often enough and if you think about often and something often enough then you become used to the idea. So okay. if I watched enough bands that these really down to earth people who weren't any different than me playing this really heavy music, then if they can do it, then maybe I can. Yeah. And then after a while I started to. Cool. Um, so yeah, how was that time in Philly? So you was there for three months for the first yeah, time. Yeah, and then so maybe like almost a year in total. Okay. Um, so did you go home and then come back or? Went. I went home and... Um, Got the next flight back. Yeah, like a month, like, you know, Derek came and visited and then we ended up, I ended up moving there probably about six weeks after Okay. I came back. Um, yeah, just, again, just threw it all in, booked a open-ended plane ticket and yeah. flew out in the middle of a snowstorm. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what kind of... Um, so was it that music at the time was obviously the impetus on you going to Philly in the first place? Um, was that the main thing, like, that you'd be doing with, like, Derek and whoever else around? Was it was it all like music? I guess you was so you'd you'd been vegan for a little while mm -hmm. at the time, and um, you were straight edge at the time as well. Was that something that was like a part of your thought process a lot, or was it just what you like? That's just what just happened, and that's what you were going to. Yeah, carry I suppose on being? like that had just happened um, quite quickly after going to America, um, certainly the second time I dropped my edge. <laughs> um, I was just, yeah, my friends were bad influences and there wasn't, there wasn't a lot to do, you know, we'd kind yeah. of, we'd smoke weed and go to the cinema or, you know, go to a diner in the middle of the night or just like kind of drive around or walk around. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. And then, doing we got a little bit more involved in more in shows or like making flyers for shows and i got went you know with, with their my friends bands would help with the artwork and we'd met, do lots of cdr stuff and yeah started yeah. to get a bit more so what, did you have a label at that point no 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 everything was just okay like self-released cool and then um how come you ended up so after about a year in in uh pennsylvania how come you ended up coming just back? got bored of waiting for a visa okay um because it can take a ridiculously long time like by this point i was married so i was guaranteed to get one but just you know so you weren't able to work so i wasn't able to work so i just kind of bum around while everyone else was at work did like bits and pieces and yeah, yeah. spent a lot of time walking in the forest at like near my like in-law's house and yeah but and then um came back did you move back into ashford or yeah for maybe like six months or so yeah and then, yeah and then up to london or was it local like a weird um a side, like a weird side story for another time and we ended up in bedford and that was just a really weird place and for six like six months and then then it was london 
Okay. Yeah. How was that then? Uh, how old was you at this point? 20, I guess, around 20. Yeah. Um, and we moved to Shoreditch, like just off Brick Lane. Pre what it is now with when people hear Shoreditch or is it on it the was way? no it was a little bit of that like it felt like a bit high effort leaving the house sometimes just dealing with like <laughs> people around and I think yeah. the um the that band the kills lived it's like a yeah the, uh, the woman in, from discount yeah yeah so they lived in this weird kind of all black cuboid building like around the corner from us and so it was like very trendy but obviously I spent my whole time kind of looking out for like this woman Alison because I like love discount when, yeah oh yeah when I was growing up and still now yeah so yeah I think clap and cough is maybe the perfect pop punk song yeah for me. yeah that's true yeah um yeah so so you're um in East London at this point like what's what's going on like so you're working Derek's overall working yeah is he playing has he come over and like started to meet people to play bands straight away yeah yeah so um he actually was in a back in Ashford straight away he jumped in like we lit we moved in with an old friend of ours Luke um and he joined their band which was like I guess kind of a pre pre me and Goliath band okay um and they were like yeah, looking back, they were kind of terrible. <laughs> um, I think that it probably like someone digs out the dusty CDR every now and then and has like a bit of a chuckle nice. at it. But yeah. Um, so was Gabby and Robbo and Chris Moonglife in that at the time? Um, Gabby wasn't. Um, it was like Derek, Chris and Rob and Rob's cousin Luke, who's like an old friend of mine from yeah. when I was a teenager. Um, and then like, Gabby kind of came on the scene. And then uh, when we moved to London, they ended up doing this band, Killick. Okay. Um, with Out Derek. And he started a band in London called Narwhal, who were, yeah, like a kind of emo hardcore band. Yeah. Cool. So when, when did you um, start doing a label or like a band like what was probably I'm trying to think if we did it before if at any point before London if certainly like if not like when we moved to London it started pretty much straight away cool yeah and was that a huge part of your relationship with Derek was the music that you both like enjoyed um I suppose like we were just because you did the label together and then you'd go on to do the band Yeah, yeah, just being, like, on exactly on the same page. Like, certainly at that point as someone with music, we were both, like, into the same thing. And it was just a whole adventure that we were on together. Yeah. Like, discovering all these new bands and kind of then, like, yeah, slowly reveal, like, revealing this whole scene of, like, people who later became, like, our best friends. Yeah, so... Was the music that you and the bands you were going to see in America the same kind of stuff when you came over? Was it like, or was it like totally different? Because I guess, I guess when I think of like, especially like before I knew you, like I feel like you and like Derek and the label you did and the bands you did, it's like very like screamo mm-hmm. heavy. Yeah. Really. And is that was, was that the kind of stuff that yeah, Derek like, was playing back home at the yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, in America. Um, so the, a lot of the gigs that were going on revolved around the, like, the labels, like, Level Plane. Okay. And, like, um, Electric Human Project. 
um, were both kind of localish, like kind of like the next state away. Um, and it was, yeah, just the heavier end of Screamo, like bands like Neil Perry and, like I said, mentioned Welcome the Plague Year before. Yeah. Yeah, like To Dream of Autumn, all yeah. those kind of bands. Um, how long till um, you started... So was Battle of Wolf your first band? Yeah. How long till that started? Fairly soon after we moved to London, I yeah. think. We maybe moved in the summer and... Oh, I don't know, actually. But yeah, not long. Yeah. Um, and was that a thought... Had you and Derek spoken about doing a band? Yeah, just... For a while. They're just It being like, we really like these bands that we had in america um and then we by that point we had found out like about a lot of german bands yeah. um a lot of old canadian bands so you know like in germany bands like kind of like acme and um sistral and then in canada like one-eyed god prophecy union of uranus and just really heavy yeah hardcore that wasn't chuggy bro music um and just wanting to be as heavy as possible um in a kind of like the screamo realm and no one certainly no one in london doing it yeah well we want to listen to this let's just do it ourselves yeah so you knew exactly what you were going for yeah yeah, that was never in doubt yeah you weren't gonna be like oh we found someone but you he or she wants to do it a bit like this and there was no compromising. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, exactly. And then we put a post up on Collective Zine um, forum and said, like, you know, does anyone want to be in a band that sounds like Reversal of Man meets, like, Acme or something like that? And we found Andy and Matt, who are actually from, like, kind of southwest London, like, more your neck of the woods. Okay. And they just were like kindred spirits in like <laughs> down-tuned music. They had, you know, we were like really impressed because they'd gone and seen Reversal of Man at this tiny festival in uh, in Germany before. And yeah, they were like liked all the bands that we liked. And yeah, that was so. That was the vocals and bass. Was it always going to be two vocals? Um, I think yeah, because they. I guess they kind of came as a package. They're okay. best mates. Yeah. Um, and wanted to be in a band together. And Derek and I were a bit of a package. So, yeah, we we're just like, okay. And we'd seen lots of bands like, um, yeah. yeah, like Welcome the Plague Year. Like Page 99 had about 20 vocalists. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, the dual vocal thing was kind of a cool thing that we wanted to to do. Okay. That's cool. Um how was that like your first band you know like we've spoken you'd you'd been there for you you knew what to do Mm -hmm. like how was it working out how to do it we had a couple of practices um so we as well through collector zine found um our drummer simon who was just moving down from sheffield to um to london for uni and we found him um actually Kunal from Superfy we originally he was that was the original plan that he was going to drum for us okay and then I think he probably I think he kind of bowed out because he knew his drumming wasn't can he blast beat for a five minutes exactly Mm. yeah I think he had seen or heard Simon's like previous (laughs) band and was like you're best going with this fella um 
So, but now, obviously, he's a great bass player. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, what's he been in? Oh, the same band for the last 20 years, putting out great records. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah. So that was that. So then we just had a practice as, like, um, as a five-piece. And we had a, I think maybe it was, like, halfway through the second practice. And we had written, like, almost written on end times. Because also, like, some of these riffs Derek had been playing since we lived in America just like jamming in his room so writing was just immediately a really like smooth process with these other guys yeah so yeah we had the first song almost written and it's just like as far as like downshoot hardcore goes it's pretty catchy and so it was easy to think in my head what I was gonna do yeah and then yeah second practice it was just kind of like well we should like we need to get on and do this so i just turned the mic down and i did it and then i turned the mic back up and i was like oh who'd have thought i can do this and like yeah the rest is was it can you remember like was it a buzz when you're like oh i've just done that now? yeah yeah i was like super nervous but felt really comfortable with these people that i'd only met like a handful of times and then yeah just like so oh, very shit. um uh uh, com- not comforting but the band the, the people that you just met and started a band with were very you, you felt comfortable straight yeah away. it was like um a weird twist of fate that they were really nice and like we all gelled as people and as bandmates straight away so felt comfortable from the off yeah with it yeah yeah that's cool um what were you writing songs about stuff that you wanted to write about for years or like how was that um yeah, I suppose the first... Yeah, it was st- all started off quite political, I suppose. Like, lots of songs against Christians and against kind of, um, like, occupied lands overseas and things like that. That, yeah, I had a lot of pent-up... Years of pent-up, like, teenage frustrations and, like, kind of political annoyances that just... Yeah things that yeah just over time the lyrical themes matured a little bit but yeah yeah like anti-religion and war and um so there's two vocalists yeah did you talk together about what battle of wolf were going to write songs about or did you yeah how would that work or would like would you write two songs and then shout over each other or like um we it was like a it was a interesting process i guess um i think that we just we never had a conversation of saying these this is what our songs are gonna be about you know like we weren't you know we weren't like a kind of a discharge band where like you know like all of our songs weren't about bombs and war and all of this we um we'd have conversations about what each song was going to be about and we'd both have ideas and the more songs we wrote, the like slightly more obscure yeah. the song, you know, it would be like, I think at one point Andy came and said, I've just read this book about Easter Island and then like we just had these, like we'd have long conversations about Easter Island and end up having songs like yeah. brought from there or like, you know, experiences like family experiences like working as like union workers and you know like i remember you sending me a documentary with the monkey yeah 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 you said a lot of 
battle. What's it called? Yeah, like Robot. Adam Curtis. Yeah, we were like, yeah, we were all quite into Adam Curtis documentaries um and we did like some samples from them and yeah that that those kind of things influenced a lot of songs and there was a lot of balancing of looking at science um science and religious like kind of quarrels and that type of thing so yeah we pretty much took it song by song and yeah we'd collaborate on lyrics we would like say okay i've written these lyrics and then something other person would write from that or yeah, and um, like like you've said, like when you was over in Philly, you saw all these like amazing, ba- like women singing for these bands, and that I guess I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it was like empowering. I guess is the mm-hmm. word that springs to mind for me. So, um, how was that? Like you going back to London, and like you being the person singing, in like not that obviously, like I'm sure there was other women in bands at the time mm. as well, but like you said, there weren't any bands doing what you were doing at the time yeah and for for the band that's like the torchbearer i guess to have like you in the band how was that or was it not a thought process it definitely felt yeah it felt i noticed it like we're the first gig that we battle played was with the french doom band monarch um who are very heavy and they their front woman um just has this like deathly voice that comes from nowhere so that was cool like as a first gig uh, but then it was a long time before we played a gig with another woman in there was um way less women at shows just in general and so often it felt strange being a woman at the show let alone being in the band playing yeah. um yeah and just even nowadays i think um my like women friends um have really shitty experiences with sound people and you know venue staff and promoters and like people like in the audience like everyone still has shitty experiences now um but certainly back then it was you know when i turned up like no one expected that i was in the band especially because we were a six piece so like the sixth female like you know the like the female second vocalist was like you know just easily dispensable when they were thinking about who they wanted to talk to and deal with yeah yeah um (laughs) cool um so um yeah, so how did you hit the ground running? Were you playing shows straight away? Pretty quickly, yeah. yeah. We just got on with it and did um, it. Yeah, and were you? did you tour quickly? Um, um, how did it work? Yeah, we toured... I'm trying to think. We, we went to Europe really quickly. Um, so I suppose a massive thing that like I haven't given credit to was um when we were living still in Ashford when I first moved back to Ashford um we heard this band from Germany um who were called the Apoplexy Twist Orchestra and yeah yeah god knows what it means um and we're like this band sounds like Orchid but kind of like more German and like a bit angrier and they're like cool so uh we drove we borrowed my dad's car and we drove to Brighton for the night 
and we watched this band play and they were amazing. And then afterwards we spoke with this guy called Lars who we'd bought records from through the post um, and he ran this record label called Reactor Protest. Okay. And we just sat there and spoke all night long um, with him and like connected probably like, you know, more intensely than we'd connected with anyone else apart from, you know, each other by that yeah. point. And then quite soon after we went, we flew to the south of France and went to a Screamo festival there and, um, and then drove with him to his house and stayed with him and his wife, Sabine, and their kids for like a week and a half or something and just listened to music and talked and like tried their German vegan food. And yeah, and that was like a massive turning point as well. And so aside, they had another band that Sabine, she were, did vocals in as well called Arson, a.k.a. Koenig de Monster. Another <laughs> uh, catchy title. But yeah, and that was another like, she's quite a softly spoken woman and then just another voice that comes out of nowhere and I think that was probably that was actually the moment where I was just like no like I can do this wow, like okay. I can definitely do this like we want to be in a band that sounds like these guys um and so yeah so then our friendship with those guys and like the bands that we met through them and like the whole reactor protest family um yeah when we had like when we played some gigs um battle i think maybe we played with june peck to begin with or something and i remember just lars coming up afterwards and just being like yeah like that's like you're you're doing it like this is like this is what i wanted to hear kind of thing and how did that feel yeah it's like amazing <laughs> like getting like the nod of approval um from like your big brother and so the, yeah, so then because of that friendship and that scene that like Derek and I were involved with um, for a long time before we had battle, we ended up going and touring in Europe quite quickly. And yeah. that was really good. It was quite a while before I felt like, certainly in London, before I felt like people were really into us. Okay. We were way more popular in Germany for a long time than we were. Yeah. Um, so when did, because this, this podcast, seven episodes in, at least 50%, uh, probably four out of the six, um, the other two being, no, yeah, a, a lot of, it always comes at some point to Battle of Wolf mm. and how, um, either how much like, um, that person have just loved that band to also like how pivotal that band, like whether it like, like John Bear and Kai, that's Battle of Wolf is one of the pivotal bands. Yeah. Um, and like Battle of Wolf means like so much to a lot of people. When did you ever realize that? Um, yeah, I guess I, first of all, I think it's probably speaks for, um like this like the amazing like strength that of friendships that can be forged through the music scene that we're part of like that you know that we've born friendships from like this band and from other bands and from this scene like i think that's you know 
prob that's more than that it's we were like so hugely successful <laughs> that like four out of six well, people in general like were into okay. but but yeah, no, but like yeah not taking away from it like that's that's really great that um it was like a pivotal band for people um and yeah i suppose a lot of different people were into us yeah that's um, the main thing i think people from like for people from like i've said earlier london can be very splintered mm -hmm. but you know there's like bodu was in the last interview yeah like you know grew up listening to crass and he's into like what he's into as well as like john bear who's like a yeah like even just those two are like huge like so yeah, far yeah, apart. yeah and seeing that at the shows i think like that's what hammered it home that and afterwards there would be, you know, you'd have your like kind of young, like university kind of kids. Um, and then you would have like older guys who had seen the bands that we were like ripping off and like, you know, <laughs> all these, yeah, like <laughs> the amount of conversations that I've had with Bod where he's just like, yeah, you know, in, in 94, I saw this like <laughs> seminal Canadian band, like, you know, you guys kind of reminded me of it. And that would be, yeah. So like having such a wide variety of people in the audience kind of felt like, well, maybe we're doing something right. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're, so it's a good mix of like being influenced by old bands, but like kind of pushing the envelope on it a little bit as well. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, I guess like you were saying, like when you say it's a testament to the community, I guess that you're like, such good friends with some of the people that we said i'd say it's more a testament to like you and i mean i don't know i only know i guess i know chris and derek um but like it's a testament to like you as the, for the friendships rather yeah. than like the community as a whole do you know what i mean um and i think that you were a big with the label with the band like a lot of that was built around oh, we really like this band. Oh, and actually they're like sound people. Yeah, yeah. Well, like it's always been really important to me to be like nice and like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like pleasant to people. Like I like, I don't want to be a dick yeah. unless like you're a dick. And yeah. then, um, but yeah, so I like have always made an effort to be like good to people. Um, and I think that's like a really, yeah, like the scene that we're in that you have these bands in common with people and you can also just be like really nice to each other, which I'm sure is completely the opposite of what some people think that like punk should be about, <laughs> like just being like <laughs> fucking pleasant. But like, that's just, that's the truth. I just, yeah. Yeah. So and, like, there's nothing like, that's the best thing after playing, actually playing on stage and playing the songs is the conversations that you have afterwards. Like, that are brought on by people seeing your band and the conversations you have with people in other bands from seeing their band. And it's just, yeah, like, yeah, that's what, like, that's why people do it. Or that's why I do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, um, yeah, regardless of, um, I mean, I guess cause battle of wolf played like there's, um, those pictures of, uh, like, I guess it, um, Battle of Wolf for me, or like not Battle because obviously Battle of Wolf, I saw a few times, but if I was to say like what band of yours was like the band that I 
is like my one would be Lich, obviously. But like I remember you telling me about um, the weekend where Battle of Wolf drove from Kent to North Northern Holland to play like a just a sh- like you know a standard like a show with friends, and then drove all the way to Czech Republic to yeah. play Fuff Fest in front of what was it a thousand fifteen hundred yeah, yeah. people, and then like drive back and I guess without that for like you know. The, both of those shows are important. Maybe the Dutch one is even more important because it's that connection with yeah, those people. Yeah, That's yeah. why, you know, Holland is not on the way to the Czech Republic if you're driving overnight. But yeah, like show. the show was in Groningen um, and we have good friends there. And a lot of the bands that came from that area, like um, Shikari, and yeah. The Last Mile and like Grinding Holt afterwards, they were like massively important bands and they were like perfect examples of just meeting bands that make horrible music and connecting with them for being great people and so yeah it would be like a no-brainer it'd be like well yeah like why not do a nine-hour round trip to like the northern coast of Holland on like the way because we're gonna get some money at Fluff Fest that will cover the petrol to go and do that show. Yeah, like play for nothing. Yeah, and I guess um, you know, like you were flying out to France to go to this Screamo festival, and then a year later, all these bands that you loved and you'd go and see, you were like fortunate enough to play that Screamo festival a year later. Mm -hmm. And I guess because everyone's like great and down to earth, the only difference is, is. you're playing the show and you're getting a bit of petrol money yeah. for it rather than being like, oh, now we're playing, like, we finally made it, now we're on the stage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how were those, like, you said a lot of those, um, a lot of those, um, a lot of those songs, like, about, like, occupied um, areas, like, mm. land and stuff like that. Um, how was... Like and you tour Germany a lot. Yeah. How like do those songs? Because I know like from my like short experiences, like with like um, the screamo movement can be a bit like anti-Deutsch. Yeah. Which I guess would go against like the occupied space of like the pro-Israel mm-hmm. and then the pro-Palestine. Yeah. Was that ever hard? Yeah, we played. Um, we would play benefit shows. Um for like this uh, organization called Anarchists Against the Wall. Um, and we did lots of kind of like Palestinian benefit um, gigs. And we were we played a lot of gigs with a band um, called Hello Bastards, yeah. like a punk band. And they had like um, some kind of Palestinian members and they had issues with like being detained. And we briefly entertained like an idea of like playing some gigs in Israel. Um, that didn't happen but yeah so we were very you know we were quite um yeah we didn't shy away from that because we had like quite a strong like german following um and i know like simon on his like snare case had certain stickers that would kind of provoke angry conversations at some squats in germany we had people you know when we played benefits we'd have german people emailing us like yeah you know kind of condemning us for it i don't think i don't feel it like especially uh hindered us like because you know like we were coming from like a 
on a nationality level coming from like a place of like privilege being like British and like American people. Um, so we didn't have, we didn't have like major problems, but there was like a lot of like kind of mo moaning and calling us out for it and play it. Yeah, we'd go and tour in Germany and we wouldn't not play songs. Yeah because of the audience and you know sometimes i would talk about things and yeah i think it was just quite weird having a band come over and talk about palestine and then other songs i'd you know would talk about football and they just found it all very very weird <laughs> yeah. yeah and like lots of and some you know like bands that we played with and friends that we had were more on that the angie deutsch side of things and we would have hours of conversation about it but yeah. yeah, kind of unfortunately a bit like dogmatic on both sides, I guess. Okay, yeah, yeah. Interesting stuff. Mm. Um, um, I'll quickly pause for a sec. Um, yeah, so you managed to obviously tour Europe a lot of times. Mm -hmm. um, was there like a screamo scene growing in london at the same time or more bands come in were screamo bands able do you think more screamo bands came to the uk because they knew that there was um i don't know how much like like credit we can take for that but we um parade Spectres, the label we were booking tours yeah so we would often and like still now is that decision like do we pay the massive ferry costs to come over like which were obviously more even more expensive back then um there's the border issue like yeah. do we you know will we get caught on the border coming over and get sent back to europe and like it just i think quite often if a band was touring america they could easily be dissuaded from coming to the uk so we really just try to persuade yeah. Like, like come and like it'll be good um and for the most part it was good so yeah so we tried to bring more bands over as well and yeah it was like the scene was getting stronger anyway and there was lots going on in like leeds as, and brighton and kind of all over really yeah and then because because you went to america as well didn't mm -hmm. you how how was that yeah it was good that was kind of towards the end of the band yeah. um so we just, we play, we did quite a lot in a short amount of time, but there was, you know, there was like year periods where Simon was like studying in Russia and he moved to Armenia for a while. And yeah, so we actually were operating as a band for less time then. than we were together. So um, yeah, I think that like, it felt like that was quite towards the end, the American tour. Yeah, so was it clear that that was it was coming towards the end um or was it never really it was it didn't really matter it was just like it's just yeah, gonna be what it is yeah 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 i think we didn't like we didn't like did battle dwell on it break up much. per se or was it like it's just not happening now is it we just um realized that we were only like we just i don't know i think i personally felt like it got to the stage where we were we would just play kind of fun like we'd play fests and things like that and we didn't feel i didn't feel like we were like a really like a regularly functioning band because everybody 
lived in different places um and like different countries and yeah, yeah it just like with things were kind of coming apart so we just up until that point it had always been fine that we were all quite like um far away from each other or not doing very much and it was just like yeah we're doing less you know and not doing anything than we're more often than we're doing something so yeah and like yeah we're oh, of course and you did the last shows of course yeah, so yeah, yeah. Was, how, how were they yeah that was great so that was probably i guess the year the summer after our american tour but we didn't really do too much between america and yeah and then the like the set of last shows but yeah america was a blast it was like one of the best experiences and yeah i'm really super grateful that we got to do it yeah and then um yeah so you had was it you uh, see so you had kent london and then crimea river Festival. yeah we actually played the night before crimea river like pre- in yeah pre-fest. in like the pre-fest because i guess we just like why not yeah, yeah um yeah so like all three of those shows were great in different ways i'll like, have to post uh, some of those last show pictures of people on the water <laughs> yeah the yeah and stuff. it was yeah that was the the london show was amazing because we basically just put together all of our friends bands that we yeah. wanted to see and play with the last time but the last gig in germany was just did like, it was it like a full circle wrapped it up perfectly yeah kind of yeah yeah to absolutely like and playing to at lars and sabine's festival when they were like them you know on a personal level the driving force behind yeah. starting the band and like they'd been nothing but supportive and done so much for us to play at their festival as the ending was like yeah. it couldn't have been could you have done a last show without those kids there probably not no no exactly <laughs> and like and to have yeah like have like crowd surfing you know to have like an uh, an audience like be super gentle and like crowd surf these little children around during like <laughs> our like one of our little like twinkly parts was yeah that was amazing yeah. and like a lot of like tears as well yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. nice yeah. um yeah and um I guess it was so mad that they had to repaint the ceilings afterwards, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm always when um when it got crazy when we were playing, I kind of often like that's one of the reasons why I turn my back a lot when we were playing because I just can't. Because people are always got their feet on the ceilings you at your just, shows. Like, so. It's like it's like dangerous. <laughs> like, <laughs> at Fluff Fest, it was the same. People were doing crazy like acrobatic air moves, and it's just like. I like it's like watching like you know like a YouTube fail video waiting for like someone to hurt themselves so uh, and people like yeah have friends who kind of took n- knocks and yeah bumps and stuff during our set so I want to just turn away <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't not be watch part it, it. <laughs> yeah um yeah so um yeah I don't I, I think that we'll start wrapping it there mm-hmm. um especially cuz JP the cat has come to join us um <laughs> So w- w- I'm sure we'll have a part two and a part three. Um, we'll get on to, uh, to to Lich and everything else yeah. around there. <laughs> but um, yeah, so at the moment, full-time mum. Yeah. Part-time food. Yeah. How how has it been uh, 15 months with, with Billy? Yeah, it's amazing. And obviously the nine months before and that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been like the best experience. I'm very, very happy. Like, obviously, just like every mum out there, super tired and stressed and yeah like 
exhausted most of the time and yeah, for trying to find the work life mum balance. But yeah, yeah no, I brilliant. feel like um, maybe this is just what just for me because you know we talk um, often, but it's you you've been like real with how it is difficult having mm-hmm. a child. Where I think for me, I'm like I haven't really thought. You know, obviously, me being a, a guy, me not having a child, um, I've never really thought just how intense it is until you're like, you know, this is this is one side of it, and it mm-hmm. is this is the re- reality. Yeah, and you've been real, but also, of course, like, which has been great for me to think about that kind of stuff mm-hmm. about how. Yeah, I think intense is the word that I'll probably... Yeah, yeah. And like relentless as well, I guess. It's like, if I had to use one word as well, <laughs> you're just like non, non-stopping. But yeah, yeah it's, it's all right. I mean, we just watched that episode of Queer Eye where they had like six kids. So <laughs> what the fuck am I complaining about? Um, but at the same time, I haven't heard you complain personally. It's But you've been real with it all. And yeah, like obviously Billy is... You know, I only see him like every every few months, but he's growing quick, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, he's. Uh, won't be long till he's just b- bouldering around. Yep. Uh, nursery. Uh huh. Coming on tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let um Cal have a weekend off. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you are you are touring and playing shows, aren't you? With yeah, Savage yeah, with Realm. Savage Realm. How's that? Yeah, it's good. Um. So. Yeah, we're like cutting out the whole next episode, but basically it's like a continuation of Lich, but we've got Kunal from Superfy Records in with us. And yeah, it's just, I don't yeah. know. I feel like it's Lich with the little screamo that was still just about there at the end of Lich, just swapped with metal. Yeah, like we're just kind of being like true to ourselves we just yeah like trying to go as hard as we can do and because that's you know like that's i like lots of different types of music but that's like you know extreme is that your metallic hardcore is like yeah like death metal is my you know that's where my heart is yeah so we're swap that's what we're doing how did you find that voice that you you have? Was it just first time you started sharing? Yeah, that's, yeah, what, yeah. that's what's come out. Yeah, yeah. I've never like thought about it, or if anything, it's just got a bit lower as I've probably done a bit of damage over the years. But okay. yeah, it's not it's not really anything I've ever. Yeah, because um, my favorite thing when I think of Savage Realm is that um, the first record, the fact that obviously it sounds so like obscene. And the fact that when Billy's 15 years old, you can give him it and say, have a listen to this. Yeah. You, you're in my stomach at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's not my, many my, kids. My, my. Yeah, nobody, I guess when we recorded the demo, like it was like early on and I hadn't even told okay. the guys, I don't think so. It was just this like secret thing and yeah. And then. And how was Torin pregnant? It was good. It was only... I was only like a few months in at that point. Only. So, yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> so, um, I just had, yeah. It was, yeah, it was just, um, I had a bit of a sore back in the tour van, but yeah. I mean, it's, touring's never that comfortable, but we did it with Moloch, who are like our really good friends and, 
you know we're as i'm as comfortable as around those guys as my actual yeah, like bandmates so yeah and it was great because I got the best sleeping spot every night, like a pre-requested at the time of booking the tour, like sweet sleeping place. So nice. when we go away, I think in like a month or so's time, it's going to be... You're going to pay. It's going to be harsh. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to be back on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know of many women that have t- talked about touring whilst pregnant? Or No, no. And... Yeah, I don't know of any. And Should be a zine at some point. Yeah, yeah I think maybe. Or just, um, yeah, and like doing it through pregnancy as well. Like I, at one point, I don't know if it was when we was touring or later on when we played a gig. And I just, you know, kind of I suddenly occurred to me, like, should I be concerned from a medical point of view? And like Googling that, like trying to find a Google, like, question about whether there was any like danger to the baby and it was like kind of like the results were like i'm going to a lincoln park <laughs> gig yeah. and um i'm worried about the speakers being loud i'm like six months pregnant and yeah i didn't or like christians being like keep your children away from the heavy metal <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the devil's music. yeah pregnancy like loud like speakers yeah didn't didn't really yield much and i didn't really want to go to the doctor and be like so I'm in this band, but it's like really heavy. Is it all right? But yeah, it was fine. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, so, so, you, so, what's Savage Realm? It's saying like, what's what is Savage Realm as a band? Just take it as it comes, and yeah, I think so. I think it probably is reflective of where we're all at. Like, just uh, like Kinal's got a young daughter yeah. as well. Um, he's she's just like a few months behind Bill and have they hung out at this point they've not no not together but obviously they'll be like bezies in the future (laughs) they'll be in the tour van together (laughs) um and yeah like everybody's just kind of like busy with work and life and other bands and things like that so we yeah we'll just you know i think we all feel like we're in it for the long haul but it's going to be a slow ride yeah just like those breakdowns yeah 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 <laughs> nice and slow <laughs> okay sweet um so where um can listeners find like sister satan or so, so i guess savage realm band camp is yep so yeah savage realm band camp um and sister satan it's like s-e-i-t-a-n not like the other kind of satan um yeah, if you just Google Sister Satan, then we've got Instagram and Facebook and blah, 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 social media. Um, and you can check out and, like, come to Kent and hang out and eat some of our food and, like, go to the beach in the summer. We're going to be doing a lot of stuff like that, so, Sweet. Yeah. Cool. All right, well, thanks, Sam. Um, it's good to finally have you on the podcast after... Yep everyone talking about you it's nice that you get to put your uh your side of it and uh yeah thank you for coming out in the field (laughs) (laughs) yeah cool cheers cheers bye. bye well there you go then thank you for listening to my conversation with sam this podcast was engineered by liam uh check him out at liam c audio Um, Our artwork was edited by my good friend Stephen Hill. Check him out at Stephen Hill Graphics. Google it. 
and um, this song is by Savage Realm, Sam's band. Enjoy. Enjoy. 